Thank you, Brian. Oh, good morning. Good morning. It's so good to be back. Um, if you want to participate in Bowtie Sunday next time it comes around, you notice that? Just let, let me know. Um, you know, it, it, Disney World is great. We were there for the whole week last week, and it was, it was tiring, exhausting, fun. But one thing that really stood out to me, which is interesting, is we got there late because our flight was delayed. And we ended up getting in Orlando around 11 or so, and which means it put us to our little condo, you know, close to, to 12. Well, we had to stop by Walmart on the way, and the Walmart right next to our place was apparently the busiest Walmart in the state of Florida. And I don't know if it's Orlando or what, but I have never seen a Walmart this busy. I mean, it was, it, and it's like 12, 15 in the morning. I mean, and it was, I had to get a fast pass just to get in line at the, at the speedy checkout. I mean, it was so, so, and, and I thought it could not get any worse or messier than this. And I turn on the TV, and apparently San Angelo makes the news in Orlando. <laughs> I'm like, how did I miss this Walmart moment in San Angelo? Seriously, it happened. I'm like, Shelly, Shelly, look! Anyway, but we're glad to be back. It was a lot of fun. And, and today we continue our talk. It's about a little different kind of mess. But we're talking, continuing to talk about the mess of mercy. Uh, if you remember our anchor verse, this is what it says. Uh, let me see here. Okay, it says this. Let's all read it together. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, I'm not sure how many of you were here for our Abba series. That was back in April. But we talked about one of these words specifically. Uh, it's the word chesed. You remember that. Um, but if you didn't know, if you didn't hear that or want to know more, look on our podcast or on, on our uh, website around April 15th or so, and you'll hear more of an unpacking of this word uh, chesed. Now, one thing we did learn is that the word cannot be translated into one particular thing. So what they've done is they've uh, expounded the translations, lots of different meanings for this particular word. It, it doesn't just encompass one meaning. It's got a lot of different meanings. So steadfast love, mercy, loyalty, goodness. But one translation in particular is still what most of the Jewish world clings to about this, uh, f- for the most part, and uh, others, other translations as well. The word is loving kindness. So chesed is loving kindness as well. Um, in fact, when you see the phrase loving kindness in your Old Testament texts, wherever that is, more often than not, probably most, I would say 99.9%, it is this word chesed. Uh, so if you look at the New American Standard Bible. Some of you may have that right now. They actually translate that word as loving kindness. This is what it says. It says, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Uh, Seven goes, Who keeps loving kindness for thousands? And there's more to that. But loving kindness is what we're going to look at today. What it is, what it isn't, but Kindness is an attribute of God Himself. It's not simply something we do to be nice to people. I mean, kindness is, I believe, key to the gospel work of God. 
So I hope to frame this lesson through a story in John chapter 9. So go and turn there, John chapter 9, that's where we're going to be today. John chapter 9. So as we begin, I would like to to pray one more time and, and pray that God teaches us, that He helps us, that He changes us today. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to You with humble hearts, knowing that it is for Your glory alone that we are here. Lord, many of us need help. We need attention. We need rescue. And for some of us, this is an ongoing thing. For others of us, we don't admit that it is an ongoing thing, but we need it. We need you. None of this is possible without you. So we ask this morning that you would take away our iniquities. You would forgive us, that you would clear our eyesight. Lord, soften our hearts this morning. Help us to be people that will change as we leave today, to see the world differently, even if it is in some small way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, several weeks ago, I had the privilege of talking with Sid Klemmer at his house. Uh, we did some video, and we showed a video of him a couple of weeks ago, and I, I got other footage too, but, but I love that guy. I love that whole family. And, you know, Sid and Judy are kind people. I don't know if you know them, but if you don't, and you do meet them, you'll see that, that they're kind people. And one thing that Sid talks to me about is this idea about kindness and niceness, the difference between kind and nice. And one thing he said specifically is that kind and nice are not necessarily the same thing. Now, this resonated with me. Because I have grown up in the South, and being nice was a required way of life, right? Isn't that what we all learn when we're little kids? We know nice. You know, in the South, our smiles are as big as the land in which we live. In the South, we know nice. But as Sid started talking and kind of explaining this a little bit, what I started thinking about is how different kind and nice really are because yes we can be nice but even though people are nice it doesn't necessarily mean people those same people are necessarily kind your face and manners could sound nice but the words being said aren't necessarily kind yeah i was doing some research and i thought it was i thought it was funny um the south is one of those only only one of those places where we can say things that sound nice but they're actually insults and I've said it before, bless your heart, you know, that word bless your heart. It's not actually a blessing, by the way. It is a way that we can let someone know that they have a very long way to go in this game of life. <laughs> and they aren't really necessarily in first. Or here's one that, that Shelly and I say a lot. I'm just saying, okay, this is a way to be pushy. And to, to say exactly what you want, um, what you think, without making people think we're pushing it on you, right? So you're going to eat all that, really, by yourself? I'm just saying. Does <laughs> that happen? You could do any sentence on that right there. Um, here's one, how nice for you. That's a good one. 
How nice for you. Um, where do you work? How nice for you. What do you, what, what's your hobby? How nice for you. All right, well, I don't, I, 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 there's others that probably would be more appropriate, but the South is really the only place where you can actually use the word nice and it still be an insult. <laughs> I say that because nice and kind really are different because we know that. We know people can smile and say things to you and just five seconds later be talking bad about you behind your back. We know that happens. But as I'm talking with Sid, what hit me was that being nice does not require us to invest or engage at all. And it can usually be done at a distance. And it's usually temporary. It doesn't really last that long. You can be nice to somebody in a moment, and the next moment you're very unkind with the things you say about them. Nice is two-dimensional, sometimes impersonal. I'm not saying we shouldn't be nice, by the way. But what I am saying is that I think that we should maybe seek ways that we could be more kind instead of being nice. Because nice isn't always kind. And kindness, as we know, is an attribute of God. He chose to be kind to Abraham, to Israel, to us. You know, he gives us gifts. He, he gave Israel attention. He gave Israel relationship. Um, even whenever Israel was running after any God that moved, bless their heart, God still chose to be kind to them, rescue them. He offered them a future, a hope, opportunity, chance after chance. And He ultimately gave them a Savior. God's kindness up, close, and personal, which makes me realize that loving kindness, kindness is personal. So let's look, John chapter 9, we're going to look at this moment when Jesus shows kindness, and that kindness leads to the showing of the works of God to the world. So let's, let's go ahead and read this. So this is going to be starting in chapter 9, verse 1. This is what it says. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. What I find fascinating about this moment is how objective these disciples are. Now, if you know the disciples, they're emotional about most everything else. But when they see a beggar, suddenly they stop to ponder the deep spiritual subject of sin and disability. They weren't stopping to help or to provide for or to minister to. No, they were stopping for one of those better him than me moments. 
You know those attitudes that we have sometimes that are purely self-centered? These disciples, yes, they were trying to figure it out. I get it. But, but not once, it seems, did they consider helping this person. They obviously thought he was a little too far gone to help. Obviously cursed. You know the whole relationship between physical ailment and, and sin. They were the same in their eyes. If you were sick, you were obviously a sinner. If this man had been blind since birth, he had absolutely no hope since birth. He was one of those you just write off. By looking at him this way, these disciples dehumanize this beggar. They turn him into some sort of object lesson. But Jesus, he goes right to the deep here. And he says, no, 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 no. This is Scott's translation, by the way. No, you're looking at him wrong. <laughs> you're looking at him with, with prejudice, with bigotry, with pride. There's no way you're ever going to see him for who he really is with those eyes. It's almost like Jesus was saying, this is a man. And God is about to be seen through him. I mean, can you imagine this moment when Jesus kind of looks at this man and starts engaging with him? I, I know the disciples have a heart. I know that. But I do wonder some moments if they weren't saying, what? This guy? I mean, he's a sinner. I'm just saying. But Jesus heals him. And he doesn't even heal him. He's having a conversation with him. And he, and he looks him up and down. He sees him. And this miracle, if you read on, this gains a lot of attention. In fact, this whole chapter, for the next 33 verses, we see the ramifications and the repercussions of this miracle moment right here. And it's kind of exciting, really. Uh, if, you, if you have some chance today, read it. Because this would be a great, you know, short film or something. Because it's, it's exciting what happens and what this act of kindness does. But to these disciples, it seems that this man was kind of more of a decoration, really. One of those danger ahead signs that we see that you warn your kids about. Hey, kids, see that guy over there? That's going to be you if you keep talking whenever I'm telling you to be quiet. We've, we've done that. I mean, I'm sure these men had probably given these beggars a coin or two, which is a very nice thing to do. Nice may have kept this man from starving, but as you can see, it has done very little to help his soul. In school, nice, maybe very good for somebody. But imagine what kindness could do. There's a, a guy who started sitting with people at lunch in his senior year in high school. He's on the football team, coolest guy ever. He decided he was going to just sit with people who were alone. And from that has come a movement, an organization that goes into schools all across the country to sit with the lonely at lunch because that's the hardest time isn't it i remember kindness has repercussions jesus knew though that that nice wasn't going to cut it here and he says this he says as long as it is day we must do the works of him who sent me now we could have a whole debate about what this sentence actually means the works of him who sent it what does that mean what does it mean today but i'm going to tell you that that i'm going to for sure double down on this idea that the that the works of him who sent me begin with kindness loving kindness 
mercy. You see, these disciples were so busy trying to find out what kind of sinner this guy is that they forgot to be kind to the sinner. They forgot to be kind altogether. And Jesus reminds them in this very act what Micah said in Micah 6, chapter chapter 6, verse 8. He says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus here is showing these disciples and this man and everyone what is good. It's kindness. Don't mark this off to just being kind. I'm talking, this is an attribute of God. And it's not optional. Kindness takes place in the closeness between two people. And it's difficult to be kind from a distance. Kindness, it gets messy because it doesn't always happen from the safety of our own space. The disciples may have you know, felt like they were in close proximity to this person. But they were still in the safety of their own space. And Jesus showed them by bending down, by being with this person that, that kindness, it isn't safe, it's messy. <laughs> he spits in the ground, makes mud. I mean, how, what kind of messy illustration could you get? And I wonder even if he didn't help this man up, even point him to the way of the pool. Jesus is God in the flesh. Isn't this what God's been doing with humanity ever since the beginning? Stepping into our state of sin in our moment where we're just kind of wallering in our own self. But he sees us. He even bends down. He gets close to us. It's in his nature. It's who he is. And, and even in the very first moment with Adam and Eve, what did Adam and Eve do? They sinned. And, and what is one of the first acts that, Jesus, that, that God does for them? He gives them clothes. They realize they're naked. He didn't berate them. He gives them clothes. He says, I'm sorry, there's consequences, but I'm going to dress you. What a, what a kind thing to do when someone wounds you. What he did for this man was not a handout. It wasn't even a nice gesture. What he did was bring this man back into the family. He gave him a place in the community. He gave him connection with God and a purpose for the rest of his life. And if you keep reading, you'll see these leaders had a really hard time with what just happened. They had a real problem with this. And I think it boiled down to the fact that they didn't like Jesus very much, but mainly because they thought, maybe they thought, how could Jesus heal? How could God pay attention to a man who, this is quoted, who was steeped in sin from birth? I think it challenged their very notion of, of the character and nature of who God really was. And here we see how kindness, how, how kind Jesus is to his people. And then in the rest of the chapter, we see how unkind God's people are to one another. It gets to the point at the very end whenever the leaders hurl insults at this man who has just had a miracle happen. Hurl insults. Who are you to tell us anything, they say. All seems backwards. But the man... If you read, he has confidence now. Whereas before, he had nothing. Now he's confident enough to speak up, to speak the truth. What this shows us is that kindness, it doesn't judge. 
Kindness provides space for God to intervene. Kindness lifts up. It empowers. It reconnects a person to who they are and who they were meant to be. How many people are walking around this world have no idea who they are, why they were even here, why they were created? Kindness is the beginning to let them know who created them, their place here. It reconnects the person to who they were meant to be. But this is kindness, not for kindness sake, kindness wrapped in love. This is chesed, and it's the work of God, and it's work we have been called to do. This work, as he read earlier, we got to clothe ourselves in kindness. It's not optional, and it's needed. There's a story about a software manager. He was a, he managed in a small, well, it was a large software firm, but he had a team of six employees. And he was manager, and they worked in the same building, but he hadn't seen them, he hadn't seen them probably face-to-face in six months. So he decided, you know, he got encouraged and inspired, he was going to make a difference. So he just said, I'm going to meet with all my people face-to-face. So he did. He went into every one of their offices, and he you know, talked to them and told them one thing they did excellently. Is that a word? Um, bless my heart. And, <laughs> and so he looked at them, and he, and he told them one thing that they did very well. And, and then, like it was probably two days later, he gets a gift, and he opens it up. It's an Xbox from one of his employees that he just talked to. <laughs> And it came with a letter. Now, I don't know if this is true. It says it's true, but it's really only true that I read it. So I'm going to read it to you. But this is what the letter said. It said this. He says, after mom died, I started a routine every night after work. Eating a bowl of ramen and listening to sad music and getting the gun out. This happened for months. For the last few weeks, I was putting ever so slight pressure on the trigger. I was getting so, so close, Steve. So close. Last week, you freaked me out. You came into my cubicle, put your arm around me, and told me you appreciated me because I turn in all my projects early, and that helps you sleep at night. You also said that I have a great sense of humor over email and that you're glad I came into your life. That night, I went home, ate ramen, listened to sad music, and when I got the gun out, It scared me silly for the very first time. All I could think about was what you said, that you were glad I came into your life. The next day, I went back to the pawn shop, sold the gun, and I remembered that you had said you wanted the Xbox more than anything, but with a new baby at home, you couldn't afford it. So for my life, you get this game. Thanks, boss. I'm going to challenge you this week to find ways to be kind. And this means finding people who will receive your kindness. Start here in this room today, even. Before you leave, start with visitors or members you may not know or maybe you've met six or seven times. That's okay. Start with people who may look a little lost. Even members here look a little lost sometimes. Believe it or not, there are people here who may not be connected. Who may not know the reason. 
And I pray that after today, the only reason people aren't connected is because they just don't want to be. So my encouragement is engage, start, engage with one another here. Give up your seat. Move to another part of the auditorium on a Sunday so you can get to know more people. Step out of your safe space. Ask someone out to lunch. You know, one of the best kindnesses we've received is over food. Food can do a lot for a relationship and a figure. But kingdom work happens over that meal, that sacred moment of eating together. Or simply talk to someone. Linger a little bit. Listen. Encourage. This is kingdom work, by the way. This is not just something we do to get to the next thing. That space, that's kingdom work where we are allowed to be kind to one another. And maybe kindness for you will just simply be to reconnect someone with who they were meant to be, to show them that they are the beloved of God. And it may also mean we have to get a little messy and we may have to step into a difficult life and be there to help. It's okay to be nice. Be nice. But let's move into the work that God has called us to and let's begin to be kind and loving toward one another and toward a people, a world of people who know that they are worth our time and our attention. If they're not worth our time and our attention, will they ever believe they're worth God's time or attention? So as we sing in a moment, think about who is it that needs your kindness? Who needs your kindness? Consider that as we stand and as we sing today. I'll be here if you need me.